Hello, and welcome to another episode of Almost Better Than Silence. I'm your host, Brendan McCullough, here with Doug Coleman, and we have a special guest today, Mitch Gettleman, who is one of the co-founders, I believe, of Hairbrain Schemes. That's correct. I'm the co-founder and the studio head. Awesome. Yep. And if you guys don't know the name, you definitely know the products. They've been working on the Shadowrun franchise and turning that into a game series. Uh, but upcoming more recently, up uh, this summer, I believe, actually, you have Necropolis coming out, which looks, it, uh, frankly, Mitch, it looks like it's going to ruin me and Doug's lives. Yeah. Like, this is all we'll be doing. Honestly, That's actually my goal. <laughs> it's, it looks like the greatest game of the year to me. Like It looks so unique, and I'm so ready to just get, like, fully blown addicted to that it looks excellent i'm really excited wow. to talk about like the the like the nitty gritties of uh the development stuff all right cool well thanks very much for the positive words uh oh, of you course. Know, the team's working really hard on it so well, uh, yes. i hope it lives up to your expectations <laughs> it always makes my palms sweat when people <laughs> tell me how, how much uh how much they like anything i'm working on well, I guess here's the first couple of questions for you then. Um, how long of, like, of a development phase have you been working on Necropolis specifically? Well, it's hard to say just in a number because, for example, we had two guys, uh, Dennis Detwiller and uh, Chris Conert, who uh, were the uh, design lead and project lead slash lead engineer, working on that for th- the concept and prototype for about three months, sitting alone. And then once they had that, uh, we added Mike McCain uh, and Chris Rogers as art directors to take it to the next level, you know, and that took a couple months. And then, you know, to develop the look and stuff. And then, you know, after that, we go to the next level and add more team members to get it to what we call vertical slice, where we can play a, a slice of gameplay to get the sense of how the game really plays, etc. And then you finish pre-production with a slightly larger team, then you go into full production. So end-to-end, maybe two years. Wow. Sounds about right, end-to-end. Wow. But at peak, you know, we've only been at peak for probably a year, uh, peak in terms of the number of people on the game. Okay. Oh, okay. Jeez. I love the art style specifically. It's... Uh, I. I don't know how to describe it, but it's very. We use the word minimalist. Minimalist, yeah, that would yeah. be right. It's it's great. Uh, well, I love it. I love it. And what's great is uh, you know the the teamwork between Chris Rogers and Mike McCain, where Chris really took the lead on the uh, characters, and Mike took the lead on the environments, and then they mixed and matched. And they're you know they're great guys to work with. And then uh, Mike went off to. Uh, start Battletech while Chris, you know, once we got into production, took the, you know, was taking the game all the way through to the end. Yeah, but Battletech is, I, I've, I'll be frank with you, I've never played it myself, but I didn't realize how massive it is. I know you started out in, like, pen and paper games. Yeah, I did. A, and switched over to video games. Um, A but, long time ago. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe around the time you were born, but yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, that's a true story. <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah, Battletech is massive, uh, you know, and as audiences, you know, you know what happens, they grow away from things, things sort of fall out of uh, fashion and that kind of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, giant robots touch a nerve in a lot of people, <laughs> you know, it's just like they're giant robots, man. But more than that, Battletech, the cool thing about Battletech is it's got, you know, 30 years worth of amazing lore 
behind it. A lot of, you know, it's sort of a shared universe that a ton of people have added value to. And so we're really going to, with our Battletech game, you know, make the best turn-based Battletech ever made for sure. And I say that very confidently, having played the prototype of it. But uh, also just the game that really shows off why Battletech and why the Battletech universe and the Mech Warrior universe is so cool. Awesome. Yeah, yeah you guys actually kickstarted it and got a ton we did. of donations. Uh, yeah, we had uh, over 40,000 backers Jeez. on our Kickstarter. That's excellent. Yeah, which was really badass. And I think, you know, <laughs> you can look at the dollar amount, you know, because we raised all up maybe uh, three and a quarter million dollars when all is said and done. Wow. But the money is far, far less important to me than that 41,000 or so backers that we got. That's what really means a lot to us. Definitely. Because, you know, making games is stupidly hard. It's just ridiculously hard, and, and until you've actually done it, you don't understand just how stupid it is and how dumb we are for having gone into this industry in the first <laughs> place. But, but it's different when you do a Kickstarter, because knowing that you have enough fans to fill a football field, rooting you on and wanting your game when it comes out... It's a really different experience. You see what I mean? For a lot of games, you work on it, you work on it, and finally you announce it, and people go, meh, you know, <laughs> oh, or something like that. Here, we know all the way through development that people are excited and waiting for it you know, and really want it and can't wait to get it when it comes out. And that's, a, that's a really big deal when you're working as hard as you do. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and especially with something like Battletech that's been going on for, like you said, 30 years, like you have people that played it when they were kids, and now with this new game, they're able to introduce it to their kids. And it's That is exactly what I'm hoping. That's exactly what I'm hoping. And, I, and, you know, with games like XCOM out there now that are broadening people's perception of what a turn-based game can be, you know, I'm really hoping that uh, sort of a, a new generation of people come to Battletech. Definitely. Yeah, I, I know, I'm definitely interested in it. I'm, I'm a big XCOM fan myself. But I've noticed with, like, I always, I'm always interested in kickstarting tiers, like the highest level um, <laughs> pledge you can give. That's fascinating. That's exactly the thing that I care least about. But go ahead. Well, just I'm just to see your point of view. Just to see what the rewards are. Just oh I, sure, it's just, fun, right? Yeah, because I've seen some people put like a million dollar Kickstarter pledge as a joke, and then yeah. someone would actually contribute it, and they wouldn't know what to do. <laughs> but you've actually had was it yeah. five people donate ten thousand dollars each like that's amazing so you really yeah, have we just... had four new four people donate ten thousand to Shadowrun returns no to our other one so uh, yeah it's you know we're used to it it's weird <laughs> <laughs> you know it's really odd and what's great is you know with it you know with uh shadow run returns you know one of the things you get is a visit to the studio and for the people in the studio here making the games, seeing these people, meeting them in person, you know, I still have relationships with our $10,000 backer from Shadowrun because they came out here, you know, and they're just really good people who just really care. It's kind of awesome because, I, I, you know, I certainly don't do this gig for the money, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I believe you. But it's just amazing yeah. to see someone like that passionate about this yeah, specific exactly. thing. Exactly. So, it's it's cool as hell. Yeah. So, I got a quick technical question, and I'm curious, like, if you're okay with um, telling us this information. But um, what, like, a game engine are you guys specifically using? Are you okay we're with on Unity? Oh wow, that's so cool! Yeah, that's excellent. Yeah, we're build- all of our games are built on Unity. 
And all of our PC uh, PC games are built in Unity. So then, I'm just curious, like, what scripting languages do you do you have your programmers writing in? Is there a lot of that going on? No, okay. there aren't. No, there aren't. Now, I should warn you that I am not only non-technical, I barely know how to use a computer after making video games for 25 years. But, <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, I, no. You know, with the Shadowrun Returns stuff, with the Shadowrun series, we created our own uh, authoring system that sits outside of Unity. And that's what the Shadowrun editor is. Oh, wow. And that's why anybody can create a Shadowrun uh, adventure. And a lot of them are, uh, but in terms of scripting for for BattleTech, for example, no, that's right in Unity, and there is no scripting in Necropolis. Necropolis is a procedurally generated game. Ah, uh, I see. Okay, interesting. Have you noticed troubles with doing a roguelike game where, like, it changes every time? So is it hard to kind of troubleshoot if something goes wrong with a certain scenario? Like, sort of, yeah. Actually, that came up today in a meeting I was in, in that somebody said, hey, have you noticed that this character isn't in the game at all? <laughs> this enemy isn't in the game at all? Like, no, because it's a randomized game, so I never know exactly what I'm going to get. I just assume I get it next time. But yeah, I've been <laughs> playing all week, and I realized, oh, well, that enemy isn't in the game. So it's a test nightmare. Uh, yeah, I wow. <laughs> oh, man. But I, I know for anyone who's listened to the show long enough, they know I'm woefully addicted to all roguelike and roguelike games. They, I, I just discovered them recently within the past few years, and I've with Binding of Isaac notably, I've gotten right over 350 hours in like nice. both games. <laughs> well, I say nice, but you're scaring me. Just <laughs> yeah, that's cool. And, and my son's a huge Binding of Isaac fan. Yeah. Oh, it's great, and especially for a game like that can last anywhere between five minutes to half an hour racking up that many hours. Yeah, what's interesting about Necropolis now we're finding is we've been reporting the playtime as, you know, if you know what you're doing, you could make it all the way through in four to six hours. Uh, I'm not sure we're telling the truth there. It may be like six to eight. Okay. Um, You know, and that'll change between now and ship. And of course, five minutes is always a possibility. (laughs) (laughs) I am living proof of that. (laughs) I'm probably the worst player in the studio. Uh, and I play every day, and uh, and I have yet to beat the game. Oh, wow. Sometimes yeah. you just need that lucky run where you just start off with a good item. I had it yesterday, and then something bad happened. I thought, oh, this is it. Yep. <laughs> it was not it. Oh, man. <laughs> then you get a little but cocky and die at the first boss. Something like that. Yeah. Something <laughs> like that. It's like, uh, well, I can take these guys. And it's like, oh, crap. <laughs> so, And then there was profanity and... <laughs> mashing of teeth and uh, yeah. <laughs> it, it can get pretty ugly around here but there are other people that just kick the game's ass so yeah that's a i've this might be the first roguelite i've seen personally that has co-op that you can do with other players yeah that's, that's so cool. cool yeah we think so too it was surprising you know the game is fun mm-hmm. right single player for sure but then when we started playing you know, like hey should, what do you think about co-op then you know our new uh networking engineers like uh, hang on a minute and you know, I say, hang on a minute, but you know, a short time later, we were playing a prototype of it. It's like, oh, that's cool. Wow, so <laughs> we should ship that. <laughs> How hard of a thing was that to accomplish? I mean, like that just that sounds ridiculous. And, and like, was is Unity easy to like accomplish that? Yeah, yeah. Uh, he didn't have any big problems with the coding side of it. It's more about 
the design slash balance side of it. So obviously the game scales up based on the number of players you have, mm-hmm. right? Uh, to the right level and what that right level is. I don't know. We'll know by the time we ship. But it's also things like, well, what happens when the players go different directions in this labyrinth? <laughs> you know, oh, they lose each other. Okay, all right, we need a feature to, you know, help them find each other. Okay, what if somebody dies? How does that work? Well, all right, you can resurrect somebody, you know, a teammate and things. Oh, but do they resurrect at full health? No, they shouldn't resurrect at full health, you know, et, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And, you know, and also the cool thing about our co-op is it's join in progress, too, right? So I could be playing and then get a, you know, a request from you to join the game. And I'm on, I don't know, level five, and you're on level one. So you come in with all of your level one equipment into my level five game, <laughs> right? And yeah. I have to protect you for a while until you can get some equipment, you know, that makes sense. Now, maybe I'll drop some stuff for you, you know, because you could do that with our inventory system. You carry, you know, it's kind of like uh, Halo in mm-hmm. a way in that you carry two weapons at a time. You can carry two weapons and you have to be judicious on which weapons you carry. And you could also carry up to two left-handed things like a sword or, a, or I'm sorry, a shield or a magic wand, which is a ranged attack, or a, or a crossbow, which is another ranged attack. But, you know, you have to make those decisions. So dropping something you know, it's kind of a big deal for a friend. And then the other thing about co-op is, well, uh, friendly fire is on. Oh. So you can't just run and button, man. <laughs> You'll kill your friend. That's actually awesome. I like when the game is oh, legitimately challenging like that. And then the other thing is, you know, you open a loot chest and a suit of armor comes out. Okay, who gets it? Which of us gets to pick that up? You know? So first come we, first serve, <laughs> you know, and I, I, you know, it's funny. I shipped a game called Mech Assault, which was the first multiplayer game on Xbox live. Mm-hmm. And it was a bat, it was a battle tech giant robot game. You know, it had a, it had some really fun multiplayer, but when you blew up an enemy mech, you know, it crapped out a whole bunch of loot. And then, you know, everybody's running to steal the loot. And that was part of the, that's just part of the game. Yeah. So it's, it's a co-op game. But you can fuck with your friends. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. But yeah. it's friend request only, so it's not like we have a matchmaking service. So, oh, okay. you know, if you're going to be playing with somebody, you know them and you know what kind of a jerk they are. You know them personally and can punch them off game. Off game, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> awesome. Yeah. I don't know if me and Doug can play Friendly Fire. That might cause a lot of problems. You see where yeah. I'm going with this. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Um, I have a quick question, though. What would you say are, like, some of the biggest influences for Necropolis? Oh, that's easy. Dark Souls and Spelunky. Excellent. Awesome. When when the team pitched the game to me and my partner, Jordan Weissman, who was the uh, creative director of the studio, or chief creative director of the studio, you know, they said the, the pitch was, what if Dark Souls and Spelunky had a baby? Oh, I and love it. the answer it. is Necropolis. So <laughs> those were the key influences. And then from a you know, visual point of view, you could look at Windwalker and stuff like that. I mean, you, know, you, you can see some of the visual uh, inspirations that came out of it too. Yeah, that style is just excellent. You say minimalist, I'd say like almost like cell shaded. It just it just looks mm-hmm. so beautiful. I'm excited. Uh, excellent color palette going on there. Yeah, and wait, I mean, there's just you know, the deeper you go, there's more stuff in it because it's not just like the necropolis is not this simple pyramid that you go down. It's kind of like this. Uh, pocket dimension that uh, the Archmage Abraxas has just scooped up different places and put it in. It's sort of like his personal museum. So 
all of a sudden, right in the middle of the Acropolis, there's a swamp. Wow. Right That's... with walls. <laughs> oh, man. I just, and I'm swamp getting more creatures. and more more and more excited every time. Yeah, I noticed the variety of creatures you have in this, and like, with some games they have like the standard tropes of like the Minotaur, like the Griffin or stuff. But like, I've never seen most of these creatures like in any game. Yeah, um, one of the Dennis uh, again, Dennis Detweiler, who's the lead designer, um, really is a very creative guy and came up with a lot of really cool ideas. And then Chris Rogers, who uh, led the character concepting. Uh, I don't know. It works for me. There's some really goofy stuff in there that I really appreciate. Yeah, it's it's beautiful. I noticed. Oh, thanks. Um, I noticed at least me and Doug have particularly had this trend of loving characters that are like kind of uh, lacking facial features, like all black with like the yellow eyes. Like we've seen them in right, right. Jawas and Star Wars and uh, VV, VV from Final Fantasy Nine. I I never know what to call them, but it's. I love every like, character that has that style. That general anonymous feel. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, I love it. And, you know, there are more characters in the game, um, you know, uh, like we've got this cool vendor <laughs> in the game who's kind of uh, kind of looks like a chicken that uh, Holly <laughs> Menker uh, designed and animated herself. Uh, Fiona Turner, uh, one of our character artists, uh, is concepting and uh, creating uh, her own characters in the game too. So once, you know, Chris and Mike, you know, set the ball in motion, people are like, oh, this will fit in Necropolis, right? And they were able to add to the vision of it, you know, and I, I just love that as a, as a content creator. That's some of the most fun oh, is definitely. when everybody can just add to it, you know. Definitely. Oh, well, that leads me to this question. Uh, how big is your team at uh, Hairbrain Schemes? The whole studio, all um, up with social media people and you know, uh, our office manager. Let's and actually let's limit it to just like the game development side of it. No, you're looking in the neighborhood of about 23 people per team. Okay, awesome. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah. but again, we roll people out. So even though I say 23 people at, at a, uh, on a team, that doesn't mean at the same time. The idea is that there are these leadership teams or concept development teams, and we roll people from one team to the other at the appropriate time. Okay. Right? You see what I mean? So there's a core of each team, and then there are, there are people that are flexible that move back and forth. Gotcha. Okay. Which is great for them because they don't get bored that much, you know, working on the same thing for years. I see what you mean. Oh, okay. It's like a management game in and of itself. Use uh, the best yeah. people for the best jobs at the time. Yeah, there's a, there's a human uh, algebra element of this job. <laughs> oh, man. I noticed you got a ton of, like, awards and, like, editor's choices and community choice awards from, like, packs and stuff. So, yeah. already, people are already really excited Hell about Metropolis. Yeah. yeah, I'm excited about E3. I'm hoping we get noticed there. Yeah, uh, that... Is that kind of like the big like make or break showcase for you know games and development? No, the people that run E3 like to think so. You know? <laughs> <laughs> the truth is, I hate this part, right? Mm -hmm. You know, it, the truth is, I spend a fair amount of my personal time on PR and marketing. Um, even though I'm a game developer, uh, you know, you got to. Once upon a time, all we did was make games, <laughs> and then we give them to the publisher, and the publisher would, you know 
make them go, that kind <laughs> of thing. And what was great is they were in shrink wrap. You didn't even patch them. If you patched a game when I started in the business, it was a failure. It was like an admission that you screwed up. And I, my bosses used to get pissed at us. Now there's a patch for some games every week and that kind of thing. So it's just a really different lifestyle and stuff. And, you know, truthfully, I just want them to make games. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, a tough, uh, it's a tough business these days, especially for an independent like us. Absolutely. Yeah, it seems tough now with technology advancing, it's able to help us in so many aspects, but because it's able to make some stuff so much easier, we're now required to do so much more. So I know, at least in like video production side of things, you have to be the editor, the director, the writer, and sometimes the host itself. Well, it's even more than that, and you're absolutely right in that, but also like things like Steam and the Apple and the Google stores or whatever, all these stores allow anybody to put a game on their store. Right, mm-hmm. And with tools like Unity and some of these other very, very ex- inexpensive tools, anybody can make a game. And you get a lot of great stuff that way. You get a lot of great stuff that way. Let me, let me reiterate that. You get a lot <laughs> of great stuff. And trying to separate signal to noise is hell for an audience member. Yeah. Right. And so with thousands and thousands of games going into all these stores, now it becomes what surfaces on the front page of all these app stores. And, you know, are you massaging these stores the right way and giving them the right stuff that they need so that they say, yeah, we will feature you. And if you're not featured, you're lost in this vast maze of games that you just are overwhelmed by. Well, then certain... Certain games get featured because, like, I don't know, because of, like, I, I don't know, like, there's poop in my soup. I don't know, for instance, like, they got, I think they were featured at some point because I feel like the audience for that is just, I don't know, I, I guess it's a generic Yeah, it's spiked for a day, I think, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but then there's games like Stardew Valley, which, like, have the lasting power, and it's, I think, still on the front page of Steam. And I believe that game was all done by one guy. Which is wonderful, you know, and I applaud that kind of thing. I personally couldn't do it. Mm -hmm. I have to work with a team. I'm wired to work with a team. That's understandable. But but I respect people that don't need that and have their one vision and can are a one-stop shop for all that stuff. That's fantastic. Well, here's a question before I forget, because I typically ask all the developers that I speak to, um, are there going to be any kind of Easter eggs in Necropolis, necessarily? Uh, maybe. <laughs> that's fair. Yeah, that's what I mean. I, that's usually the answer I get, realistically. Yeah, maybe. The real truth is, and this <laughs> this can sound really dangerous, but Uh-oh. there are Easter eggs in our games that I'm not aware of because <laughs> part of the fun is surprising your boss uh, and yeah. not asking for permission. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So... Yeah, I know there are Easter eggs in Shadowrun I wasn't I wasn't aware of. That's excellent. Okay. So what's in Necropolis? What's in Battletech? Oh, who knows? <laughs> that's hilarious. Yeah, that's it's yeah. pretty much bound to happen if you have the right team. Yeah. Yeah, I like it. The right team. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> it's always good if they just slip something in. But I, I agree with you with working with teams is more beneficial than working alone because sometimes you could spend years working on something, but you have no one to bounce stuff off of and no one to say, like, you know what? this is kind of dumb. You should probably fix this. And you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, of course. I've seen people do it. What they do is they just have a group of trusted friends that they send you know, a copy of the game to and get their feedback. That's different. You know, Getting feedback is one thing. Mm-hmm. You know, Actually working and collaborating with somebody is a very different animal. Oh, okay. 
you know necropolis is a shared vision you know two guys started it but it wasn't until the third and fourth guy came in that it really started to uh come alive and then you know as more and more people come on and more and more features get on you know that's when you get that you know that collaborative nature that the the sum is greater than just the parts right it's uh Sorry, I just keep watching videos of Necropolis and keep <laughs> lost in it. Yeah, so that's, that's all right. We were just talking about basically the joy of creation. <laughs> that's the next question. I really, I'm not sure if you even can answer this one, but I'm gonna throw it out there. When do we have a release date? Uh, Brand mentioned before we got on that it got pushed back a little with the PS4 and Xbox One release. No, we don't have a new release date that we've announced yet. Okay. It'll be this summer. Oh, it'll excellent. be this summer. Oh my god, yeah. I'm, everyone's really excited. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, we are too, you know, because we got more time for <laughs> polish and bug fix. Yeah. <laughs> so, as a as a developer, more time is always good. And honestly, as a consumer, I'm excited because on this podcast, we often complain about how certain games are pushed out uh, a little too early, and there there are fixes that they end up patching like within the first couple of weeks. So it's it's honestly, I'm excited that it's going to launch polished instead of just like, oh, well, we met a deadline. Yeah, that's true, and that's great. But the fact is. You know, no plan meets first contact with the enemy. So, you know, we'll have time for our polish and our bug fixes with our test team and stuff. But once it gets into the wild, you find out stuff. And that's just the nature of thousands and thousands of people playing a game. Yeah. And that has nothing to do with us. That's just, that's fact. And, you know, you can't name a game that that doesn't happen to. Yeah, I know, uh, personally with me, I played Assassin's Creed once, and in one of the levels I ran over top of some boats on a dock and there was just a very small corner in between the boat and the dock itself where my entire character just slipped into and it went under the map and i absolutely i had to restart (laughs) the game but i realized there was like that's probably got to be a one in like 100 million yeah we call it an edge case yes yeah you know i was playing red dead redemption Mm -hmm. right and it was the single buggiest game i've ever played and i had (laughs) And I had what we consider what we call show-stopping bugs, the kind where don't put out this game with this bug. It's so bad. And I hit several of them, right? And I'm not calling out, you know, the game developers <laughs> for that. It's like, yeah, and oddly, and I just muscled through it and I finished the game, right? Because the game was so good. But, you know, making this and something like an open-world game like Red Dead Redemption, oh, my God. I yeah, I can imagine making one and I don't want to make one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you actually used to work with Microsoft, correct? Oh yeah, I was there for a dozen years. I was one of the founding members of Microsoft Game Studios. Oh wow. Yeah, I ran I ran two studios for Microsoft Game Studios. Oh wow. That's yeah. crazy. So yeah. is, is it nicer? I know on um the Harebrained Schemes website you said you broke away from the Borg. And, <laughs> yeah, know. that's about the size of it. <laughs> is it nicer working with like a smaller studio and you're able to kind of see everything as opposed to working with, you know, maybe hundreds of people? Well, it, it, think of it this way. There are pros and cons for each, mm-hmm. right? When you're working for a major corporation like Microsoft, you have the ability without exaggeration of changing the world, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, the Xbox, the original Xbox, when we put that out, it had an Ethernet port in the back of it. Yeah. Right? It's like, holy crap. We changed gaming with that. 
You know what I mean? Yeah, you can totally. do multiplayer on consoles because of the Xbox, and PlayStation was, you know, was years behind that. So that's one of the benefits of working with Microsoft. Another benefit of working with Microsoft is the resources. <laughs> you know, they, hire, they are able to, with their money, hire brilliant people and put you know, hundreds of millions of dollars into marketing or whatever it is. You know? So that's really valuable. And being around such you know, amazingly experienced people, you know, it has a profound effect on you. I spent, like I said, a dozen years there, and that was my graduate school. You know what I mean? I learned, I learned a metric fuck ton of stuff at Microsoft yeah. with some really amazing people. There is also a downside, which is anytime you try and get anything done or get an idea passed, oftentimes you have to get four or five people's approval, and most people are not paid to say yes. They, think of, they say no to everything, because if they say yes and it fails, it makes them look bad. Right? Right. So saying no is way safer than saying yes and taking, you know, and taking a risk on anything. So that's kind of hard, too. And, of course, the other thing that I felt for years and years at Microsoft because of the evaluation process that they put their talent through is you feel judged constantly, and you feel defensive constantly. Like, you have to defend your work and your contribution, and it's very, very challenging, and it causes people to behave in odd ways. So those are some of the pros and cons. And also, let's face it, I made more than twice of what I make as an independent game developer. Mm-hmm. Right? It's always yeah. a plus. <laughs> you know what? It felt pretty good. <laughs> but I would rather reign in hell than serve in heaven. So hey, there you go. Um, I love working at our independent game studio. I love the fact that uh, I personally chose uh, every single person who worked here, um, you know, along with my partner, Jordan. Um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I love the camaraderie here. I love the open, honest, and direct conversations we can have here. I love being uh, not having to have a committee to make a decision. I like being able to just say we're doing this, and everybody goes, "Yeah, that's a good idea. We should do that." And then we just do it. <laughs> I love the speed at which we work. We have two speeds here: fast and faster. Nice. Uh, yep. You know, <laughs> and. Uh, you know, it's just, I feel like me, and being genuine is perhaps more important than anything else we could possibly list. Yeah, I think that's true success. So I, that's something everyone's after. Um, but then here's a question for you: uh, Where is your team headquartered? Like, where are you guys located? We're right outside of Seattle. Okay, in the awesome. suburbs of Seattle. Cool. Just curious because yeah. it's like I'd yeah. love to apply. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the Seattle area is just a great place to live. It's a little pricey because of Amazon and oh, Microsoft yeah. and Boeing and stuff like that, sure. Google. Um, but, you know, it's just gorgeous here. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, I forget the exact name. Sorry, but I know um, Hyper RP- RPG. Yeah, is- Hyper Rapid Power Go. There you go. Yeah. Um, but that's like the Twitch channel. Is that specifically with harebrained schemes or i know you're with it it's think of it as a as a sister company sister company okay so jordan and i uh are on the board of directors for it the ceo is a guy named zach eubank uh he's the ceo the showrunner and also uh one of the major um uh hosts on the the channel he uh 
the guy who ran Geek and Sundry for Will Wheaton and Felicia Day. Oh, so we wow. were able to spirit him up here. <laughs> uh, fantastic guy. Uh, knows how to go fast and faster. He actually took it to the third level, which is hyperspeed. <laughs> Getting that channel up, running 40 hours of content every week. Jeez. Oh, I wonder uh, if you yeah, guys will ever hit ludicrous speed. <laughs> it, yeah. Yeah. Well, I think hyper sounds good for branding. Yeah, <laughs> good point. But, uh, yeah, that's off and running. You know, our very first weekend there, we had a, uh, a charity marathon streaming event uh, that went on for 48 hours, and we raised, I think, $45,000 for a charity called the Halo Foundation. Oh, that's uh, awesome. Helps underprivileged kids. So, you know, very, very proud of that. And there's a lot of really fun working going on there. We've got... Um, you know, for one thing, um, besides a whole bunch of fun shows that take a look at gaming in general and Pacific Northwest gaming in particular, mm -hmm. which is cool. And that's, you know, board games, role-playing games, video games, everything, geek culture, comic books. But uh, we've got two shows that I personally love. One of them I'm actually on, uh, which is on tonight, <laughs> uh, although who knows when your uh, podcast is going to air. But two days a week, there's something called Death from Above, which is our Battletech game. And the first day, on Tuesday, the first game session, we, uh, we play a role-playing game. And uh, we get into adventures and stuff like that. And then on Friday nights, that's combat night. So the role-playing sets up the combat for Friday. We're still role-playing, but now we're rolling dice and uh, blowing up mechs. Nice. But not only that, the, the scale of the mechs is bigger than it's ever been done. That we're 3D printing them ourselves oh, and wow. painting them on one of our shows, which is called paint, Watching the Paint Dry. Wow. <laughs> so Jordan himself, the creator of Battletech, is painting these mechs. And then we play with them on the show. And if you take laser damage, we burn the mechs. And if Holy you take shit. ballistic damage, we drill holes in the mechs. And then on the next watching the paint dry, they have to repair the mech somehow and get it ready for the next week. And it's also a cool permadeath show. So if any of the cast members' characters die, they are off the show, and we get a new cast member. That is amazing. So, that yeah, so that's a great. fun one. And then we also have um, uh, a, uh, a Shadowrun show called Corporate Sins. And members of the audience uh, join these mega corporations from Battletech. They have their own chat rooms, and uh, they can affect the game in any number of really interesting ways, including hiring the characters to go on shadow runs. So that's a cool one too. Jeez, I I never thought th like one of the advantages of three D printing would be being able to actually destroy figurines and. You know. Yeah, it's a blast. And the audience can, you know, help us out with, you know, uh, you know, it's a mercenary game. So you have to repair your mechs and you need money for that. And we earn money in the game, but sometimes people can supplement that between games to help us repair our mechs or, or affect the outcomes of battles in different ways. So it's very, very interactive. What we're trying to do is take, uh, you know, sort of interactive gaming to the Twitch gaming to the next level. Yeah, it definitely seems like it. I, I noticed was Gollum Arena or not Arena? Uh, Gollum Arcana. 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 Yeah, was it the last? Um, I guess pen and paper game you worked on. Uh, well, I really wouldn't call Gollum Arcana a pen and paper game. I mean, it was a miniatures game, like mm -hmm. a tabletop miniatures game, like Warhammer 40K that connects to your smart device, your phone or your tablet. Oh. And the device teaches you, the app on the device teaches you how to play the game through video game-like tutorials. It adjudicates all of the rules so you can't cheat, <laughs> you know? <laughs> it's always good. Uh, 
it downloaded new scenarios all the time, so the game's always fresh. There's a scenario creator in the app, so you can create your own scenarios and create your own armies and all sorts of stuff. It was a brilliant piece of design. Oh, yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm looking at some of the figures, and they're just Oh, they're gorgeous. pretty. Yeah, the guy who... Uh, who designed those figures, uh, well, you know, there were two of them. Again, uh, Chris Rogers, who's the same guy who did the characters for uh, Necropolis, did a lot of design on those. But also Maury Weiss was, did design and modeling for those characters, and he's also doing the, the stuff in Battletech, too. So we're really lucky to have team members like that. Yeah, it just looks beautiful. And, I mean, I, it always blows my mind because you see the scale of the figures and you have some of the smaller, like, soldiers – and then you see the colossal, like, titans that just tower over the whole table. Yeah, I mean, Battletech really is fantasy, uh, uh, or Golem Arcana is really fantasy Battletech. Awesome. Like, these Golem Knights are like mech warriors who ride these golems, which are like battle mechs, you know. So it's pretty fun, plus you got, you know, blessings and curses and gods and things like that in the game. Nice. So yeah, really proud, really proud of Golem Arcana. All right, I got a quick question for you. So it sounds like you've been in the game industry for many years. Uh, what has been like your favorite uh, experience so far? Like, I'm sure you've been to all sorts of conventions and uh, certain things. Like, what's your favorite part of what you do? Uh, actually, my single favorite experience in making games was making a mobile game called Crimson Steam Pirates, and it's the first game that we made here at. Um, at Hairbrain Schemes. We oh, made the game in 12 weeks. Wow. <laughs> we barely had a, When we started, we had a four-page PowerPoint presentation, and we went from a four-page PowerPoint presentation to a finished game that was one of Apple's games of the year <laughs> in 12 weeks. Holy crap, that's awesome. Yeah, and it was just, go, 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 go! <laughs> you guys are on super fast. There were, fast. There were eight of us. Yeah, oh, we we were on. Yeah, we were going nuts. I mean, we worked till midnight most nights, and uh, we uh, we had a lot of fun doing it. And that became the core of our studio. There were about eight of us crammed into a storage closet that a friend of ours, who runs a game company, let us use. And uh, yeah, it was. It's a very romantic story. You That's know awesome, I mean? and a great start to what you guys to to your company now. Like that sounds like you started on a great uh, foot with uh, uh, Apple's uh, the recognition you got. Yeah, and then with their next game, which was called Strike Fleet Omega, which we made in sixteen weeks, so it was really stretching it. Uh, we we got uh, one of Google uh, Google Play's game of the year too. So awesome! Yeah, it was a, it was a nice start and really good time. And unfortunately, it's hard to make money in mobile games, and we're really core, you know, core sort of nerdy gamers at heart. So, you know, that's why we decided to go into PC gaming with uh, Shadowrun. Awesome. Yeah, it seems great. It's Shadowrun is the only, I guess, franchise or series I can think of that takes the traditional like orcs and goblins and elves and dwarves of like the fantasy realm, but brings them to like a modern day and a future even. Like, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm, once once Jordan created that, nobody else tried. Yeah, I'm always disappointed when I see them, and it's like you see elves and dwarves, but it's always medieval times. I'm like, but what happens when they evolve and like over the centuries? Yeah, I've seen <laughs> I've seen people do it with steampunk too which mm -hmm. is kind of cool, uh, but it really didn't get a lot of traction, which is unfortunate because I thought it was a really cool idea. But yeah, and just, you know, for Plugville, you know, go to Steam right now. You can get Shadowrun uh, Hong Kong. I'm wearing the T-shirt. You can't see it. But, uh, <laughs> that came out, and that, that's the Shadowrun Hong Kong Extended Edition. Same price, but with six-plus six hours of more content in there. 
Oh, wow. That's excellent. Yeah. Take a look. Yeah, I know my buddy uh, got me and like everyone he knows a copy of Shadowrun Returns when it came out. And oh, wow. I really enjoy it. I'm terrible at it, though. <laughs> I wish I was better. But <laughs> Work on it. You can, you can do it. You know, <laughs> we have difficulty. I'm pretty sure we have. Yeah, we've got difficulty levels. Turn it down. Yeah. You know, for me, the high point are the stories. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the the stories are what really make it for me, and that that was my major contribution was I was on the writing team for all three of those games, and uh, though you know I have to say that although Crimson Steam Pirates may be uh, my favorite experience in making games, uh, my best work would be in the Shadowrun series. My personal best work. Okay. I'll have to go back through and see if I can find any of your stories. Oh, you can't. You mean in the Shadowrun stuff? Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm all over the place. On those. <laughs> it, you know, and we don't credit anything. So, you know, um, on Shadowrun Returns, there were two of us writing dialogue, um, and in Shadowrun Dragonfall, there were three of us, and then in Shadowrun Hong Kong, there was uh, there were four of us. Okay. Uh-huh. And we we wrote each other's characters. We moved in and out, and uh, you know that's part of the fun too. That kind of collaboration is cool when somebody can pick up one of your characters and run with it, mm-hmm. and it still sounds like your character. That's pretty cool. Definitely, yeah, it's proof that you've built like a sound character. It's yeah, I think so note. too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the way I feel about it. Yeah. So definitely check that out. Do you have any like particular class or race that you like favorite that you would choose it when you play? Um. Uh, let's see. I tend to go uh, street samurai because I'm a very simple guy, <laughs> and I like. You know, we've got some new cyber tech, especially in Hong Kong. There's a lot, a lot of new cyber tech. So you know, and you can really focus your character on cyber tech, and you can get, you know, bone spurs and stuff like that, and claws. Uh, so I would go that way. That me personally, I just go for the ultra violence. It's <laughs> nice. always good. Yeah. Um, but I've seen that uh, on your LinkedIn page, actually, that you lecture at Academy of Interactive uh, Entertainment. Entertainment. Yeah, I'm on the board there. And, uh, yeah, I used to lecture there uh, once a week, four hours a week. So that, wow. that was a lot. Uh, now I just, I'm a guest speaker there. But, yeah, I'm on, I'm on their advisory board, yeah. That's oh, okay. awesome. And it's great because the school seems to be specifically about designing games and uh, and different just you know graphics and film yeah and- yeah it's yeah it's a good school you know it's still kind of early in its development and it's growing really nicely and uh you know i hired several of my students from there <laughs> <laughs> there you go so i guess that's an endorsement right yeah yeah that yeah. makes sense yeah, i've hired five people out of that school so far oh wow that's, that's great awesome. to see yeah and i know i personally follow a channel and YouTube, which is just, I think the school's based out of Sweden, but it's just an animation school. Oh, that's and, great. And it's just seeing, like, I, th- I think you can even see some of, like, the same students, like, following their, like, first project of their senior year to their final project. and just, Yeah, how fun is that? It's great. Like, just I the- love working with uh, new game developers, you know, people who are in school, and uh, there's an indie group here in Seattle, mm-hmm. uh, and I just love meeting people sort of early in their career and, and talking to them and, and sharing some of my experience. I, that's part of the coolness of the job. Yeah, I can imagine. It's, does it feel like Seattle's kind of growing like into a gaming version of Silicon Valley, like where all the tech's down in California and then the gaming culture has moved up north? I think there's a, there is a, a, a lot of gaming here, and that's one of the reasons why uh, Hyper Rabbit Power Go 
you know, is getting such sort of critical mass because we've got, you know, Bungie here, we've got Microsoft here, we've got Repub, uh, or, uh, sorry, Rep- the people who make Republic and all of a sudden I forgot their names. We've got, you know, Wizards of the Coast who make Dungeons and Dragons. We've got the people at Paizo who make Pathfinder. We've got Lone Shark games. They do some great tabletop games. I mean, there's just a ton of people, you know, and then we've got Valve. And, yeah, you know, big one. So, so, you know, is it a Silicon Valley type thing? I don't know, but it's more affordable than Silicon Valley. I'll tell you that. <laughs> nice. And people, you know, because it's so beautiful here, I mean, yeah, it rains and stuff during the winter. But you got ocean, you got mountains, you got forests, you got a, a really livable city. It's really a great place. Hey, I would much rather take rain in the winter than the two feet of snow we've been getting the uh, last few yeah, years. Yeah, I'm from Chicago. I, I get it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah no, 75 below zero is nothing to sneeze at. Yeah. <laughs> it was 40 below zero when I left, left uh, Chicago 17 years ago. Wow. Like, okay, this is a good way of leaving. <laughs> <laughs> Won't miss that. Yeah, I remember... Back in the early days, I worked in like produce, and I'd be in meat coolers and freezers, and yeah. it's like negative zero. Me too. And I was like, "Yep, this is this is pretty average." Yeah. The moments when you go into the meat cooler because it's warmer inside than it is outside. Now, when <laughs> when your nostril hairs start to freeze and break, that's that's when you go. You know what? I'm out. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> I've had that. That's terrible. Ugh. It's terrible. I think the I think the longest I've ever lasted in the uh, freezer was maybe an hour and a half in one yeah. sitting. Ooh. Yeah. Nasty. Yep. All but right. I saw. I I'll just get real quick. Something offside of uh, outside of video games. I saw on your Twitter that you watched uh, started watching Daredevil season two with your family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just finished binge watching all of it. Actually, no, I'm only on I'm only on episode three, so no spoilers. Uh, okay. Through the I was going to ask your opinion. Beat on your ass. No, I, no, sorry, can't, 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 can't. Uh, okay. Uh, no, yeah, only uh, only episode three. That's as far as we got. But you know, we've got a lot of nerd stuff that we watch, so we watched the Flash together. Um, we watched Supergirl together, mm-hmm. and then we watched the hyper-violent Daredevil together. <laughs> <laughs> I'm always amazed because the opening to Daredevil and how, by how much blood there is in like every episode kind of reminds me of Hannibal because it's just so gory <laughs> all the time. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. That, it's pretty vicious. It's pretty vicious. Yeah, I'm always impressed by it, but I, yeah, it's great. It was a good, good second season. I good, look, good. I look forward to. I'm going to bust more of it this weekend. Yeah, I look Excellent. forward to seeing how they do with the whole franchise or with yeah. you know uh, Luke Cage, with Luke and, Cage, and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's I've good. only I've only watched one um, uh, Jessica Jones so far. Ooh, uh, well, busy, busy band. Uh, yes, very. and it's hard. You know, we again we like to do it as a family. So trying to get everybody together when you know my daughter works at Hyper Rabbit Power Go my wife works here at Hairbrain Schemes you know etc it's it's tough to get everybody together gotcha <laughs> could just grab everyone on a lunch break and just knock out a few episodes <laughs> yeah it doesn't work like that <laughs> uh for example if you don't eat lunch <laughs> yeah that's see, true you know gotcha uh, my daughter hosts a show on Hyper Rabbit RPG or co-hosts a show mm-hmm. uh at lunch t- uh, yeah one o'clock uh, Pacific time every day so, oh, okay. You know, awesome. That kind of thing. Uh, speaking of which, we should give you, you the opportunity to do some like legitimate plugs uh, before yeah. we wrap things up. All right. Uh, let's see. Let's plug, plug, plug. For, so first of all, there are three Shadowrun games available on Steam and GOG and Humble. That is Shadowrun Return, Shadowrun Dragonfall, Shadowrun Hong Kong. And you can get those at very various prices, uh, but they've all been heavily supported, and they're good games. So that's the first one. Very proud of those. Uh, Golden Marcana, you can find at your uh, local 
uh, game store and check that one out. Um, don't think you'll be disappointed. It's kind of magical. Necropolis is coming to PC and Xbox One and PlayStation 4 sometime this summer. Look for us on Twitter at, uh, at WeBeHairbrained. Uh, look for me on Twitter at MitchGit, M-I-T-C-H-G-I-T. And please check out our channel, Hyper Rabbit Power Go, uh, on Twitch, uh, abbreviated Hyper RPG. Awesome. Wow. That's a lot. <laughs> yeah. 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 And if you want to go to the, uh, the Google and the, uh, and the Apple app stores, you can find stuff from us too. Totally. Yeah. We really appreciate you coming onto our program, Mitch. It's, uh, been a blast. Yeah, thank you no, so nice much. Nice talking to you guys. Very, very much. Appreciate yeah. it. And, uh, listener, if you enjoy our show, please uh, give us a like or follow on Facebook and Twitter. Our handle's ABT Silence. We also have a Twitch channel, which is twitch.tv slash ABT Silence. I'm playing games every Tuesday and Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, how about you, Bren? Uh, I'm ABTS Brendan on Twitter, and I know we're going to be playing a ton of necropolis this summer once it comes out oh absolutely that's like so, my eyes on that prize <laughs> we'll be streaming that a lot <laughs> definitely but like i said thanks so much for joining us mitch and we'll All see right. you guys next week bye cool. all right take care nice talking to you